We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, it's Alex from the Guilty as Charged podcast crew, and I'm here to talk about Manscaped. Just like an NFL game, your balls need to be clean. What happens when your balls aren't clean? I don't know. Joshua Kelly fumbles, Philip Rivers interceptions, Deflate Gate, you name it. Using the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, you can groom to your heart's content. Their trimming technology is the best in the biz, and you won't catch a suspension for cheating. Personally, I love the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs. Whatever you want, Manscaped has it. For 20% off your first order, use code GUILTY at checkout. It supports the show, but also supports your grooming habits. That's the most important thing. We care about you. Again, that's code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Now let's get to those Los Angeles Chargers. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We are recording this on Wednesday this week, so uh, a little bit different and definitely going to be impact the injury reports, but you know we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, I am your host, Steven. Joining me as always is Alex. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good today. Uh, running on a whole two hours of sleep because uh, of things happening in the country, both Chargers related and non-Chargers related. So, you know, fun times. <laughs> it is fun time so so in uh you know in that tune I, I did attempt to send out some positive vibes on our youtube channel uh doing some positive takeaways from the denver broncos game because there were some uh you know we didn't get to mention many of those on sunday because you know we were just all so frustrated about the loss but uh definitely go check out check out that video over on our youtube channel which i will include in our description for this episode 
So I think I think the right place to start really is the Desmond King situation. Uh, he was obviously benched. You know, Anthony Lynn said uh, it was a team decision. Um, one of the one of the followers on Twitter said that he thought that that might have been, you know, maybe a captain's decision. But like, you know, it wasn't a, a it wasn't defined as a coach's decision. The fact that he said that it was a team decision, maybe alluding to uh, maybe it was a captain's decision. I don't know. Obviously, that's speculation. Um, and then obviously on Monday, he was traded to the Tennessee Titans for a sixth round pick. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people kind of overreacted to the trade for the six round pick. I think that was a uh, pretty good value. What did you make of, you know, his benching and ultimately the trade? Yeah, I think he was probably held out because he was in trade talks, although there could be some disciplinary thing from Lynn or it could be, as you said, a captain's decision. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, we've been down that road with King before, so it wouldn't really surprise me. Um, but yeah, as far as the trade, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the criticism is like, oh, we only got a six rounder or something like that. But I just think the reality of King's value in, you know, he's a free agent after the season. So any team that trades for him and wants to keep him has to pay him. Uh, and you know, he's regressed from what he was in 2018. That's just the reality. So Considering those things, uh, considering there's only half of the season left, I think a six-round pick was about as well as the Chargers were going to do. And it's actually not the Titans pick, it's the Jaguars' six-round pick, so it's a little bit of a higher six-round pick than uh, right. you know people would think because it's the Titans, right? So that uh, actually works well in the Chargers' favor, and... Look, the reality was the Chargers weren't going to re-sign King anyway um, because of his regression, because of the issues with coaching staffs, because he would cost probably six, seven, eight million as a slot corner who is not going to be able to play CB1 or CB2, plus they signed Chris Harris. So that was just, I think, the reality of the situation. So any draft capital you can get, uh, whether it's a six-round pick uh, or whatever, I think that's fine, um, and yeah, the Chargers are also going to have a compensatory third-round pick because of Philip Rivers' departure. So, uh, stocking up on draft capital uh, in a time in which the salary cap is likely to go down a little bit um, because of coronavirus. Uh, so, stock up on cheap draft talent, and you can trade up in the draft if you want to with more draft capital. So. All around, um, I think the Desmond King trade was a success uh, for the Chargers, and I think it sets up what they want to do uh, in the future pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know there were so many moving parts that led to this thing, but it really, once Desmond King sent send on the on those tweets, uh, I think that was all she wrote pretty much. And uh, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. You know, I have, I have no grudges against him. I, I think he's a he's a fine player and. Seems like a good dude, so you know I hope he succeeds in Tennessee. But like you mentioned, I think this is a good trade. You know, it frees up the possibility to have more cap space, and and you know, and having you know, uh, I think Chris Harris makes ten million a year, right? And then Desmond King would make six, seven, eight. Like that's that's a lot of money to invest in a slot corner in the slot corner position. And so I just think once they sign Chris Harris, you know, the writing was on the wall. And then like I mentioned, you know, the tweets were kind of the last straw. And so. Uh, Albert Breer also mentioned uh, one of the reporters for for the NFL, one of the main reporters out there, 
Um, he also mentioned that with the cap restrictions that, you know, these uh, comp- compensatory picks are not going to be as, as, you know, black and white as they normally are because, you know, obviously that has some uh, some effect on how that works out. So I think this is a fine thing. Like you mentioned, this was this is for the Jacksonville Jaguars six-round pick, so that should be in the top five of the sixth round instead of, you know, the back seven or eight, you know, depending on how the Titans finish out. So ultimately I'm cool with it. I thought Tavon Campbell played okay. Uh, he did some good things in space. I feel like he's more uh, of, you know, he's a little faster than Desmond King and, you know, he can make s- similar plays in space, but ultimately they have to figure out a way to get their corners more involved in the run game. And I think that's why Jalen Watkins, you know, who's being worked out with the team apparently later on this week, uh, I think Jalen Watkins should be signed immediately as soon as possible. And uh, I think he would bring a, a nice physical element into the secondary that this team really misses. And, and, you know, that's, that is the one thing about Desmond King is when he wants to be, he was a very physical presence in the run game. It just wasn't ever super consistent. I know everybody likes to talk about what he does, but outside of the Tampa Bay game, we never really saw him make his presence felt. It was just really up and down. And when you're not, when you're a slot corner, and you're not making any kind of, you know, impact plays, and you're not making plays in the run game. I just think, you know, that they really need to get Chris Harris back, and I think Jalen Watkins would kind of uh, help, you know, filling the void until Chris Harris is healthy. Yeah. So the other thing that's interesting to me about Desmond King is now that we know he's not going to be re-signed next year, he's out of the Chargers' free agent plans. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what moves they make with Melvin Ingram, right? Uh, Does he get a deal? Does Hunter Henry get a deal? Uh, So I think that part of it is kind of interesting. Uh, As far as the the on-the-field thing this year, I think it's kind of funny. Uh, Well, Tyler just posted a new breakdown on Patreon about Jaleel Ladai and um, him seeing more field time, so... You know, it's it's been rumored that as a result of this King trade, he's probably going to be one of the beneficiaries of getting more playing time. And so I'm sure uh, a lot of the Chargers fans on Twitter will be super happy that Desmond King is traded and Jaleel Adai is uh, getting more playing time. So I'm sure there will be nothing controversial about that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I think the reality just was... Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think Jaleel's actually been pretty good this year in limited snaps, and, and Tyler detailed some of that in his Patreon breakdown. Um, and this team needs a bit more of a physical uh, component, both in the run game, uh, pass game as well. Uh, no, but I was just saying, uh, yeah, so this team needs a bit more of a physical component in the run game and the pass game. Right. I think Jaleel and I can offer that. The interesting thing will be, I think, what they do with uh, Nasir Adderley and Rayshon Jenkins, how that plays out, because that's been rumored to also be a potential moving part, along with uh, a die in this whole King configuration uh, after his trade. So we'll see what happens, but I'm honestly kind of optimistic about the future um, without King, especially if they address the need of quarterback in the draft. Yeah, I think that really is kind of the missing piece, and and obviously it'll depend where they end up in the draft order. But you know, I, the more I think about it, and and the more I'm going to think about it, I'm I'm relatively sure that you know a cornerback is a very high possibility in the first round. Um, I just think in that you know eight to twelve range, where it seems like that's where they're headed in terms of draft order, uh, it seems like corner is kind of the main spot there. Um, you know, in terms of Jalil Adai, I. I was talking about this, you know, with you and with Tyler. I just think 
you know, right now the Chargers secondary has a problem with hesitating. You know, Rayshon Jenkins, Nasir Adderley, Tavon Campbell, they all hesitate in key moments. And it cost them on Sunday. Nasir Adderley specifically, you know, he had the one uh, missed tackle on Philip Lindsay, which led to a touchdown. And then he, he hesitated in coverage. He hesitated in space, which led to the Deshaun Hamilton touchdown. And then Tavon Campbell hesitated a couple times as well, including, you know, the, the final touchdown, which, which cost them. So Jilladai is not perfect, but the best thing about him is that he doesn't hesitate that he, once he makes up his mind, he goes and he's full speed and he's balls to the wall energy all the time. And the Chargers need that. You know, Tyler mentioned in his breakdown that the Chargers secondary don't doesn't have a enforcer type. And that is a crucial aspect of Gus Bradley's defense is having a physical presence to, you know, uh, make plays in space, you know, provide that energy, bring that juice. And they just don't have that without Derwin James and Chris Harris. And so I think if a die can bring that. You know, why not? I know everybody kind of hates on him for his free safety days, but if you put him at strong safety and, and you know, he's bringing that juice, bringing that energy and, and make some people play, you know, he, he leveled Melvin Gordon and I thought that fired up the defense. So, you know, why not? I, I don't see any downside at this point. You know, the secondary has been so bad. So, you know, why not play a die more? Why not side in Jalen, Jalen Watkins and bring him in as well? So you have nothing to lose. You're two and five season's not going very well. You know, you might as well try other things. And they've kind of done, they've kind of mixed up coverages and tried to blitz some more things. And I think, you know, right now is the time for this defense to kind of mix up the personnel packages and, and really just, you know, you have nothing to lose. So why not? Right. Um, and the thing that's really concerning about this Oakland game is they're probably not going to have Joey Bosa. Uh, yeah. He's still in concussion protocol. So we'll see what happens with that. So. Uh, when it comes to the defensive line, when it comes to the secondary, they're going to need to mix things up and get creative uh, as opposed to, you know, um, just trotting out the same personnel, as as you mentioned. So I think uh, both in the defensive line and secondary, the Chargers definitely need to try some new things and hope it works against <laughs> a Raiders offense that's pretty hot. Yeah, and, you know, Drew Locke and, and Derek Carr, they're pretty similar quarterbacks. And once they get going, you know, they're not the, the best quarterbacks. They're not elite by any means. But, you know, when they get into a rhythm, they're very capable of of slicing and dicing you and making you pay. And so, you know, Joey Bosa went out in the first or second play of the fourth quarter, and then there were two pressures after that. That was it. And so this team, they you know, they've got to get someone to step up uh, if Joey Bosa can't go. And so we'll talk about those injuries right now. So him and Charmaine Pope are in the concussion protocol. Um, ultimately, that's just going to depend on how they're feeling and, and progressing. Other than that, you know, Trey Turner being back is, is a huge thing. He, he practiced for the first time today in really over a month. Uh, he tweeted at us, you know, see you soon. So I, I'm hopeful that he can uh, play this <laughs> week. It was a big, it was a cool thing for us to have him respond like that. And uh, obviously getting him back would be a huge thing because, you know, they traded Russell Okung for him and, and, you know, they invested a lot in in his ability as the right guard. And, you know, we've only seen him for one game. So, uh, you know, I thought Cole Toner did a good job stepping up last week, but obviously having Trey Turner back would be a a huge blessing for this team. Right. I think having Trey Turner would be such uh, a big deal uh, if they can get him back. The thing is, um, you know, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if you want to get him into some limited practices this week and then start him next week. Right. right? Uh, Cole Toner, I think 
this week really showed us, you know, what he's made of, uh, the fact that he can step up uh, when he's asked to in a pinch. Uh, so I, I wouldn't mind another week of him starting if they really just want to make sure Trey Turner is 100%. But it looks like he's probably on track to start this week, which means we finally get, you know, what <laughs> the offensive line right. was uh, supposed to be a little bit uh, for the first time this year, uh, for the first time since very early this season. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm very excited to see uh, Trey Turner back. Um, I- I'm hopeful Troy May Pope or Joey Bosa can, you know, uh, get out of concussion protocol. I'm not counting on it uh, as of now, just because it feels like maybe they would have been cleared by now, but we'll see what happens on Friday, Saturday. Um, but yeah, uh, Troy May Pope, I think, is also maybe a little underrated in terms of importance for yeah. this upcoming game because, yeah. you know, it, it was him and Justin Jackson that really uh, spurred that offensive uh, run game outburst, right? Uh, Joshua Kelly kind of really struggled for most of the game, uh, and it was him and Justin Jackson just uh, getting good receptions, uh, getting quality runs, quality vision, and um, that's really what made the offense uh, very dynamic for the Chargers. So I'll I'll be hopeful that Tremaine Pope can go. So you know we need our uh, we need our man in the, from the Vatican. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know I thought that he brought a lot of juice and and especially in the passing game and doing some option runs. So uh, having Pope would would be a big blessing for sure. I thought. You know, Lynn mentioned that he felt like Joshua Kelly has been running maybe a little timid the last few weeks. And, and I think that makes a lot of sense just from my eyes. Like, you know, he just hasn't shown the same kind of decisiveness that we saw in week one and week two. And, and you know, hopefully he can get back to that. And I guess we'll have to see. But um, otherwise, you know, in terms of health, this is a pretty good injury report for the Chargers, especially for what we're used to. Um you know, the only other limited participant was Isaac Rochelle, who is listed as a with a neck injury. Uh, Storm Norton was a full participant. So was Justin Jackson and Casey Hayward, as was Brian Bulaga and uh, Tyra Taylor as well. So, you know, with the Bulaga thing, he said in his press conference today that he felt like he maybe could have pushed to play last week. Uh, but they wanted to make sure that he was 100 percent healthy before they before he could play because the last thing that they wanted was for him to play a series or two and then have Trey Pippigans coming cold and have to do the same thing that they did uh in the Carolina game which obviously set them back in a big way so I think they'll have the same approach with Trey Turner uh I don't know if he's gonna play you know he said see you soon to us which kind of makes me think he's going to but um gut (laughs) feeling is that he more play that it's more likely that he plays next week um, on the other side, obviously the Raiders are going through their own thing with the Trent Brown situation. Uh, that is just kind of a mess and they've been really affected by COVID. They've got, uh, Jonathan Abram listed as DNP with an illness. Same with Trent Brown. Um, really the only other ones that are, I think are maybe kind of important is Colton Miller did not practice with an ankle injury. Uh, he's obviously their big left tackle. So, uh, I think Colton Miller is probably the one that, if he doesn't play, would have the most impact. Obviously, if Trent Brown doesn't play, um, you know, they could be without their two starting tackles, which would be huge. Yeah, I think uh, if, if they're without Trent Brown and Colton Miller, it could be another long day uh, for Derek Carr as it was uh, against Cleveland, as it was against Tampa Bay. 
in the most recent weeks for the Raiders. So, uh, you know, the, the Chargers, you know, they may not have Joey Bosa, but if you're going against the line that doesn't have Colton Miller and doesn't have Trent Brown, you have to manufacture pressure, <laughs> you know, in, in yes. that case, if you're not going against uh, the Raiders uh, starting line. So that'll be crucial. Um, and, you know, I, I don't love the matchup uh, for the secondary just because they have to deal with Henry Ruggs. They have to deal with Darren Waller, uh, quite right. a few guys. So I'm kind of expecting this game to turn into a little bit of a shootout. Uh, so anything the defense can do in terms of defensive pressure or even one or two guys stepping up in the secondary uh, would be much appreciated if, you know, they can allow, uh, give the offense uh, one or two big defensive breaks, right? That would be pretty huge. But um, I'm, <laughs> I'm not expecting a ton uh, from this defense after the last four or five weeks. Uh, but that's just kind of where we are with it right now. <laughs> So exciting. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> this defense, man, if they don't have Joey Bosa, I am uh, not expecting much. It's going to be a long defensive day again for this team without Joey. I, I just don't. Melvin Ingram, I, I feel like he helped a lot the, the week before that, but you know he kind of disappeared in the fourth quarter in, in, on Sunday and really didn't. He hasn't made a tackle. Like I know tackles are kind of overrated and he's a defensive tack defensive end, so it's not like that important, but we haven't really seen him have a huge impact uh, you know, in the results and the box score or anything like that. So, you know, uh if there's any person or player on this team that really needs to step up, you know, if Joey Bosa is limited or not playing, you know, to me it's Melvin Ingram. And I kind of hate the fact that Uchenna and Wosu has basically you know, turned back into his backup role. He only played 22 snaps on uh, on Sunday, which I feel like is just, it's not smart to me. I feel like you should get Inwosu out there way more often. And, uh, you know, Melvin Ingram, if he's not producing at a high level, you know, there's no point, in my opinion, in giving him a full workload when you have Uchenna Inwosu, who's already done, you know, produce at a much higher level. So it's just, that's something to keep an eye on because I don't know if they'll want to start Inwosu. I, I don't know if, you know, the Leo and the, the strong side defensive end are, are that different. You know, I don't know if they're going to start, start Isaac Rochelle, who technically is Bosa's backup. But, you know, I, I feel like 22 snaps from Mimosu is kind of unacceptable to me. Yeah, um, I, I think they'll probably start Isaac Rochelle. I definitely think if Bosa doesn't play, you'll see more of Chen and Mimosu in this game. Um, much like it was uh, in you know a couple games earlier in the season, so I think you'll see uh, Enwosu make a big difference, and then at that point it's just about you know it, can there be one more person that really affects the pa uh, pass rush, whether it's Melvin Ingram, Jerry Tillery, uh, or even Isaac Rochelle stepping up uh, in some kind of meaningful way. Um, cause I think the chargers, if they're going to win this game, I think they need to get sacks. I think they need to get QB hits. Um, especially right. considering the Raiders offensive line problems that we just talked about. So it, it's going to be crucial. I'm not quite sure how I feel about the defensive line heading into this game, even with the banged up Raiders O-line. Uh, but if Bosa plays, that would be a huge, huge, uh, plus for this defense right now. Uh, I just wouldn't count on it happening. 
<laughs> yeah, man, this defense is not really inspiring any kind of hope right now. Um, you know, to me, I think one of the other keys defensively is going to be Denzel Perryman and the linebacker core uh, in general. But I think, you know, in response to what the Raiders are going to do offensively, which they really want to run the ball, right? And, you know, Josh Jacobs had like 34 carries last week. So to me, Denzel Perryman, I think he's going to play probably around 25, 30 snaps. They're going to play more base defense. And, you know, I think Denzel Perryman probably needs to force a turnover. I think they miss his physical presence. He's going to make his uh, that energy felt. And I think he's one of the hardest hitting players on the team. And, you know, I think they're going to need him at full force on Sunday if they're going to win. And I don't I don't. <laughs> he's played well in limited snaps. Absolutely. I just don't know if they really can afford to stroll him out there as much as they're going to need this time. Because, you know, if you're in a base defense with him out there, that means you're putting a linebacker on Darren Waller. And if they're going to play action, that that worries me. So it's definitely something that they'll have to balance out because they, they will need his physical presence in the run game. But, you know, Darren Waller, putting a linebacker on him is just a... a well, then again, they don't really have any safeties to put on him either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing with Waller. Your choices for pass coverage on him are really Jenkins, Adderley, uh, Paraman, or Murray. So those are really your four choices. So yeah. when it comes to Waller, it's basically pick your poison and ingest it. Uh, and that's <laughs> what the Chargers are probably going to end up doing in this game. Yeah, that is. It's um, it's it's going to be a rough one when it comes to Darren Waller, and we saw this a little bit earlier in the season with uh, Travis Kelsey uh, kind of exploding. Uh, I think in the second half of that Chiefs game. Um, so you know we've seen tight ends uh, take on this Chargers defense uh, and do relatively well, and it's because of. Um, Denzel Perriman being more of a run stuffer, Kenneth Murray being inexperienced when it comes to pass coverage, uh, Nasir Adderley not quite being ready for the spotlight, and also Rayshon Jenkins being kind of indecisive and inconsistent, as we mentioned uh, this season. So there's no real answer to Darren Waller. Uh, Maybe you just, like, ask Derek Carr not to throw to him. Uh, (laughs) Maybe you make that request. Just politely. Um, (laughs) Yeah, just politely. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a bad situation when it comes to him and, and some of the other top tight ends around the league. Uh, we did our rankings before the season and we both, uh, took Darren Waller as a top 10 tight end. So, uh, he's a bad man. And if you let him, you know, start to get on a roll, uh, that game could turn into a blowout fairly quickly. Yeah. And we've seen this year that he can kind of control games and take them over, which, you know, he did against the saints. Uh, when he had like 12 catches for 140 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, he's very capable of dominating game just, you know, in a similar way that, you know, you mentioned Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and, and, uh, Zach Ertz hasn't really done much in that regard this year, but, you know, he's obviously very solid. So, uh, Darren Waller is definitely something to keep an eye on and how they go about defending him. I, I honestly think if you're going to really stop this team, you know, you have to look at what the Patriots did, and essentially you just double-team Darren Waller and make Derek Carr beat you with other guys. Uh, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think they'll do that. Um, but I think if you're really going to stop this Raiders defense, you have to stop Darren Waller uh, by any means necessary. So let's shift to the offensive side of things. What are What's a, a key matchup or you know key to the game that you're thinking offensively for this team? 
Offensively for this team, I think it's having another good uh, run game performance. Uh, the Raiders' defense is not very good, particularly in many categories. <laughs> um, honestly, like if you're looking for uh, the perfect defensive matchup uh, after you know, and in, in trying to get a rebound win, I think the Raiders are, are what you envision. The only thing is they can kind of match what the Chargers do offensively, but. Uh, the defensive line hasn't uh, been a bright spot for the Raiders. I mean, they, they have certain players on there, maybe like Max Crosby or uh, Colin Farrell that are still de- developing, but uh, it hasn't been as consistent as they've wanted. Uh, their linebacker play, uh, I, I know Corey Littleton was a big signing, um, but they haven't had a lot at the second level or not as much as uh, they would have wanted. And the secondary is still a work in progress. So that's still a young defense in general that's really developing. Uh, so I think if you're Justin Herbert, you want to be aggressive in this game. And I think if you're the offensive line, you want to open up holes for the run game. That's really what it will come down to. Uh, I don't think they'll have another 200-yard game again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I would love them to have another 200. I would love them to have another 200 yards on the ground. Don't think it'll happen. But uh, even if you have 100 yards on the ground. Uh, get up to you know 120 maybe uh, plus what Justin Herbert uh, can do to the secondary and I think it's it's definitely a worse secondary than they played last week at Denver uh, so I think yeah you have Herbert going off in this game uh, and then some other offensive kind of critiques uh, don't have much else I mean I think it's about getting uh, obviously Keaton Allen involved. And uh, we saw last week that this offense does really succeed when uh, Herbert is able to connect with a couple deep passes to Mike Williams. So uh, he's sort of been not inconsistent, but his relationship with Herbert has kind of gone, you know, he can have a hundred yards one game. He can have four yards the next game. Um, That's just sort of been it. So I think keeping Mike Williams involved uh, will be very important especially considering I think he's kind of a bad matchup uh, when it comes to uh, attacking that Raiders secondary. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you hit the nail on the head and the Raiders are right around that 24, 25 uh, range in terms of defensive rankings. You know, they don't stop the pass very well. They don't, you know, stop the points very well. So, um, you know, you mentioned this, but this potentially being a shootout. And I think that this, you know, definitely could be a shootout. I think this could definitely be, you know, like a 38, 35 type game, very similar to what we saw uh, in Tampa Bay. I just, you know, I'm, I'm not overly confident in either defense stopping the opposing offenses. And, and this really should be a good opportunity for Justin Herbert uh, to bounce back because, you know, you mentioned the Denver secondary. Oakland does, or Oakland, gosh dang it. <laughs> um, Vegas does not have a guy like Justin Simmons. You know, Jonathan Abrams, he's kind of a work in progress, but he's a strong safety uh, you know, Denver has a really good secondary. Oakland does not. So I think this is a good opportunity for Justin Herbert to, uh, I don't want to say bounce back cause he didn't have a bad game, but you know, we saw him kind of start slow and he threw the two interceptions. And I think this is a good opportunity for, to see, you know, like a 300 yard passing game, few touchdowns, no picks type of situation. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the offensive line and, and really, the running game, I think, you know, you have to keep Herbert clean this week. The Raiders' defensive line pass rush 
is not good. So if Max Crosby gets a sack on Justin Herbert, I think that is, is a huge, <laughs> huge issue because Max Crosby and Cleveland Farrell are, are not very good and they really do not have any kind of consistent pass rush. Yeah, I think it's about keeping Justin Herbert clean, uh, preventing him from taking hits so we don't see Easton Stick snaps. <laughs> uh, I think that that'll be uh, important as well. I guess that'll be a key for this game as well. We'll see whether Tyrod Taylor plays, uh, or not not whether he'll play, but whether he'll be uh, a backup quarterback in this game. Lynn said he wanted to give him six weeks, so it's been six weeks since week two um, after last week's game. So we'll see whether Tyrod gets the backup, uh, will it be Easton Stick, or will they activate all three? I don't know, but uh, for me, if you want to do some Easton Stick kind of stuff in this game, uh, you know, I think it would be cool to do it with Tyrod Taylor uh, for that Taysom Hill type role. So maybe they'll get to that. Maybe they won't. Uh, but I'm also fine if they decide to keep, you know, one of the hottest quarterbacks on the league uh, on the field for every snap as well. Yeah, I, I've been very vocal about not wanting Easton stick out there. If you do it for Tyrod, that's different because Tyrod is, is a much better athlete than Justin Herbert is. And, and that's the difference to me. It's like, if you have a backup who's the better athlete, then absolutely. You know, Jalen Hurts, kind of debatable if he's that much of a better athlete than Carson Wentz. But, you know, if you're Taysom Hill and Drew Brees, that works. Like, that makes sense. So, you know, with Tyrod doing it, I'm totally okay with that. If it happens, you know, once or twice a game, it just kind of depends. Um, Justin Herbert, though, I think you're 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 right. Because he, he is in quite a zone recently. And, and really, this team has to keep things going. And, you know, Brian Malaga mentioned that they're seeing growth from him every single week. And that's something that I talked about in the in the YouTube video that I put out today, too, is that, you know, he really is getting better at reading and manipulating the defenses every single week. He's making these progresses and, and making these leaps. So, you know, he gets laser focused in on Keenan Allen sometimes. But really what we saw in Denver is when the offense is at his best is that he's distributing the ball to everyone. And, uh, you know, that's the one thing is that Keenan's going to be open every single time. Like the Raiders right. secondary is not good, but you know, I think this is a good game that for him to kind of push himself and, you know, maybe give Keenan Allen six catches and give Hunter Henry four or five and Mike Williams four or five and Justin Jackson's four or five. So I think this is a prime spot for Justin really to get in, you know, just be fully in rhythm from start to finish and distribute the ball evenly and make everyone around him better. And, you know, I think this is a good, very good spot for Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think it's a good spot for Justin Herbert. We also, I need to give a reality check to people. Uh, so someone asked Brian Balaga to compare Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that was and- so bad. <laughs> that was so bad. And I'm like, okay, listen, I love Justin Herbert as much as the next Chargers fan. We're not comparing him to Aaron Rodgers yet, okay? No, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest <laughs> quarterbacks to touch a football. We're not doing that yet. Um, <laughs> well, I but, liked how in that press conference, too, like somebody asked him, like, were there any similarities with, like, developing a killer instinct in Green Bay to now? And he's like, well, we had Aaron Rodgers. Like, <laughs> that really helps. And it's like, yeah, like, Aaron overcompensates for everything. And you look at what he's doing right now in the twilight of his career. You know, he has one good receiver and he's still putting, he has a top five offense. So yeah, that was a, that was a dumb question. I, I didn't like that at all. Yeah. That was just such a uh, odd question, but 
you know, um, I definitely expect Justin Herbert to keep it up this week. Uh, Aaron Rodgers comparison on the side. Uh, but we definitely should keep uh, voting him for Pepsi Rookie of the Week every yeah, week, absolutely. even if he doesn't deserve it. We just got to keep giving it to him so we can grind out this Rookie of the Year award. Uh, but, yeah, no, I um, I definitely expect Justin Herbert to do pretty well this game uh, against this kind of Raiders secondary. Uh, is the game in Vegas or L.A.? It's in L.A. The oh. one in Vegas later on is uh, a Thursday night game. Right. Uh, okay, so yeah, it's in L.A. I expect it to be pretty good. Um, I, I definitely think he'll be a little bit better than he was in Denver. Uh, I think that's a tough uh, tough game for him just because, uh, you know, it was his first time at Mile High and all that. So I think he'll be definitely a little bit uh, more focused this week, a little bit better. So uh, I'm expecting a good effort from him as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I think this is... Not that it's important, not that he cares about this, but, you know, Joe Burrow has been kind of gaining steam the last couple of weeks in terms of the rookie of the year race. And so the Bengals are on a bye this week and, uh, you know, Justin Herbert getting a win and playing really well against the Raiders would, would do him well to put some distance between him and Burrow. Um, so the over under for this game is 52, you know, which is, is much higher than what we saw last week. You know, we all thought that it was going to be low scoring in Denver. Obviously that didn't happen. Um, but a 52 overall total kind of points to, you know, it being a kind of shootout that we're expecting. So, uh, let's get to our predictions. Alex, what are you feeling for this game? Um, I'm going to take the Raiders in this one. Uh, I wish I could take the chargers, but I'll take the Raiders 33 to, I don't know, 27, something like that. Uh, I, I think it'll be relatively close until the end. Another close fourth quarter game, of course, for the Chargers. Um, right. But I, I think what separates them is uh, the offense and just the state of uh, the Chargers defense not being in a zone right now. Uh, not that the Raiders defense is super good, but they also haven't had any you know tremendous uh, you know breakdowns kind of you know like the Chargers have had. In recent weeks where you know the secondary and the defense are primarily responsible for blowing a lot of these leads um darren waller as you mentioned as we've mentioned is a, is a matchup nightmare uh for the chargers in terms of what they can do with him in this game uh so i, I don't love that and i also you know the chargers did a decent enough job uh, of stopping the run game last week but do i expect them to contain josh jacobs um i don't know that one could go either way especially uh if you don't have uh joey bosa they're gonna have uh joseph and jones in there uh so hopefully they contain uh josh jacobs but it's not necessarily my expectation i think herbert will be uh have a good game i think it's a shootout but i will take the raiders 33 chargers 27 uh that's kind of how I feel as well. I, I I don't know if I would say a full six points, but unless Joey plays, man, I just I don't feel good about this defense uh, having any kind of success against this Raiders offense. I just don't. So this is what I'll say because you know I've been in a positive mood today. I had a good day. If Joey plays, I will take the Chargers thirty four to thirty. If he doesn't play. I will say the Raiders will win 34 to 28. Actually, I'll say 34 31. Make it a little closer. Um, but yeah, I just 
Joey's health is really going to be the determining factor. And, you know, sitting here right now, I don't know if he's going to play. Obviously, it's, it's Wednesday, like we said. Um, so that's ultimately just going to depend on, on how he feels throughout the week. But to me, that's the X factor. And if he plays, I think the Chargers win. If he doesn't, I think they will lose. Um, so, Alex, any other thoughts on this game before we get to our league-wide picks? No, uh, that's about it. Okay, sounds good. So, uh, I had a rough week in terms of picks. I went one and two. You went two and one, right? So you you've made you've caught up some ground. Uh, I'm fourteen and ten. You're thirteen and eleven. So this is a crucial week for for me for my own sanity. Obviously, uh, we don't we don't necessarily have anything on this. The two of us. I guess we could, you know, maybe work something out later if we wanted to make it a little interesting. Um, so for my my three picks this week, I'm going to go with the Washington football team over the Giants. I think the Giants, uh, similar to the Chargers, they're better than their what than what their record says. Uh, I, I really like how the Giants are playing hard, and I think uh, their future, if they can figure out the quarterback position, is is certainly trending up. I don't know what they're going to do in terms of Daniel Jones. Um, but So the Washington football team, I'm going to pick them because I just feel like they have a little more juice on offense. Uh, you know, Terry McLaurin was just elevated to captain. Shout out to him. Big fan of his. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Washington football team in a very close one. And then I'm going to go with the Falcons over the Broncos. I know picking the Falcons is like picking the Chargers. You just never really know. But uh, I, I just think that the Broncos are so inconsistent in terms of their, you know, their offense is so up and down. And so I don't know if they're going to be able to go in Atlanta and kind of keep up with the Falcons offense. Um, and then for my last one, this is the close one. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Saints. I think the Buccaneers have really hit a stride. Uh, they might be the best team in the NFC. I think it's between them and the Seahawks. We'll kind of see how that pans out the rest of the way. Um, but they lost at the Superdome, and I do not expect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get swept by the Saints. And so I'm going to go the Washington over the Giants, Falcons over the Broncos, and Buccaneers over the Saints. Who are your three picks? So, for a disclaimer, we are recording this on Wednesday. Uh, so the Thursday night uh, football game uh, is game. Uh, for us, so I'm going to take the Packers over the Niners. Um, Niners have obviously had uh, a lot of injuries, and this week they had a lot of uh, bad COVID news uh, regarding yeah. some of their players. Um, Brandon Ayuk uh, will be out. Uh, there was another player that was out as a result. Trent Williams is out, dude. Trent Will, yeah, Trent Williams was one of the close contacts. So uh, neither of them will play. You add in the Jimmy G injury uh, and the fact that they have one receiver uh, and it's really like they become the San Francisco Eagles. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take the Packers in this game. Aaron Rodgers gets it done. Uh, I will also take the Titans over the Bears. Uh, So this is obviously another kind of high-profile game uh, for the Titans. Uh, They obviously came up a little bit short against the Steelers. Uh, but I think they'll do fairly well in this game uh, against the Bears. Uh, it, it's been a little rough offensively still for the Bears. Uh, I'd like to see uh, a more complete effort. I know they scored 23 last week, but it, it kind of didn't really feel like that to me. Uh, I still feel like their offense is a little bit, uh, I don't know, slow. But uh, we'll see what they do against the Titans, but I will take... Ryan Tannehill and King Henry in that one. 
And I'll never stop picking the Seahawks, I guess. So I will take the Seahawks <laughs> uh, and Russ over the Bills. Uh, I think that is uh, the Bills have sort of regressed offensively over the last couple weeks. Yeah. The Seahawks are really hot offensively, so I think that produces a uh, not-so-great matchup for Buffalo. So I'll take the Seahawks in that one. Yeah, and I think Carlos Dunlap is really going to help out there in uh, in Seattle. And up until you know this week, Jamal Adams has been their best pass rusher, and he's played in like three games. So <laughs> you know Carlos Dunlap is going to help out a lot there. Um, you know, before we we sign off here, I, I do want to kind of mention the Baltimore Ravens. You know, they were my uh, preseason Super Bowl pick. They obviously lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do you think? Uh, I guess just what do you think of the Ravens right now? You know, I'm curious to see how Yannick Ngakwe does there, but uh, I'm kind of, you know, selling my Baltimore stock. Obviously, I can't go back and, and change my preseason pick, but uh, I don't know how in on the Baltimore Ravens I am anymore. Yeah, I picked Ravens Seahawks, so I guess I'm sort of feeling the same way. The biggest disappointment for me is just, um, sort of how much Lamar has regressed passer. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't just a thing where it's like, oh, he got lucky last year. Like, Lamar was, you know, super dominant on, you know, third down against the Blitz. Uh, and this year he just hasn't uh, been that way. And he played some great defenses last year, right? Uh, he played uh, a lot of those same teams, like the Steelers' uh, defense last year. So, um I, I I wouldn't sell them as playoff contenders yet if, you know, if they go against the Steelers in the playoffs, if they go against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Um, I, I still think they have 50-50 chances to win those games, uh, especially when you add in Yannick Ngakwe and everything that they have on the defense, right? Uh, Lamar didn't play particularly well against the Steelers, and they still came within, you know, a, what was it, a fourth and three conversion of being able to put the ball in the end zone. So um, I think their team has enough to make up for Lamar's regression, but come down the stretch, come playoff time, uh, I think Lamar will need to be um, more in his 2019 form than his 2020 form. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And and we've seen them kind of uh, really struggle in their main challenges. We know that they can dominate teams that are lesser than them. It's really just been a question of, can they show up against the best of the best? And unfortunately for them, that just hasn't been the case. So, uh, you know, that that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel as, as well as our Patreon videos. Uh, we can't thank you guys enough for your support. We know it's been less, a less than ideal start to the season for the, for the Los Angeles chargers, but, uh, you know, we're going to continue to pump out content and, uh, you know, going to be more excited to continue to talk about football. I love this sport, man. And, uh, I know Alex and Tyler do as well. So make sure and follow us on social media at GC podcast 17 at Alex Lansdorf 99, right? Uh, Alex Insdorf 99. There are, oh, I almost got it. All right. <laughs> uh, at Stephen I Haglin and at Tyler J. Shoon guys. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. 
Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 